and welcome to Trinspo, the travel inspiration podcast. Last episode, travelers Diana and Ken Obermeyer shared a story about their journey through Egypt. This week, they have another story, so let's dive right in. Well, I wanted to talk about something on the other side of the ocean, on the Pacific coast of Mexico. And this trip, we traded our our little timeshare cabin. Our timeshare cabin sleeps up to six people. It had two bedrooms, and we were always guaranteed to have at least a similar accommodation if we made an exchange. When we made this particular um, exchange, we were going to Puerto Vallarta for the first time. And when we arrived, we were like so shocked by how huge our unit was. We had, just for the two of us, three floors. We had balconies off every floor. We had the kitchen, sitting areas, uh, a full house. We could have actually brought 10 other people with us had we known in advance <laughs> the, the size of what we were getting into. It was wonderful. And we've made dozens of trips to Mexico, most of them the Cancun, Cozumel area. Um, and then when we lived in California, we'd drive across the border, so a little bit of time. But this particular one, it was like every other resort that we've been to in Mexico. You know, the grounds are beautiful, immaculate, everything's well groomed. This one had 10 pools. Whoa. You know, the usual. Mexicans swim up bars under the palapas, drinks in coconuts. There were lines of coconut palms on the beaches that were probably raked every day. There were places for outdoor dining, and we really enjoyed having breakfast coffee, you know, out there in the morning. It was so peaceful. And then, you know, at night, you had the Pacific Ocean right there for sunsets. We spent most of probably the first five or six days there doing what typical American tourists would do. We did some poolside and beach side activities. They had all kinds of little things to break up the day, like a mariachi band by the pool or, um, (laughs) you know, the limbo contest or some little party with a theme, which was fun and fine. And Ken and I walked around downtown, you know, eat or to shop, to take in uh, crazy bar scenes (laughs) there, you know, on the beaches like other places we've been, there would be vendors selling things like silver, um, blankets, sombreros. I actually came back with a sombrero. I don't recommend that to anybody because <laughs> I had to carry it on the plane and it wouldn't fit under the seat. So I had to wear it during takeoff. <laughs> it was but, a large one. It, yeah, it was, it was the real, real Did it one. Touch the people in front of and behind you in the plane. Oh my gosh, it was, it was so embarrassing. But anyway, and, you know, it's kind of fun to shop around and kind of see some different things, too, like the local artists. Uh, We always find grocery stores interesting to go into because, like in Mexico, different kinds of fruits grow. The meat department is different. We found a a lot of really good pastries and breads. The bakeries are outstanding. And we also found a little Corona beer factory right across from us, which was kind of convenient. So um, if you've been to Mexico, a lot of the times in the bars, or restaurants, they'll serve a bucket with ice and little beers, like seven ounce beers, uh, because they get hot really fast. So I think that's a good idea. But we were pretty proud of ourselves. We went to this Corona factory and picked up a case of beer for less than $5. I think it was like $4 actually, but that was a little while ago too. But still, it was a great deal. We, We had a bargain. Along with um, sea 
seeing the town and the pool and beach area, we had, you know, some opportunities. We did a sunset cruise. They offered little day trips. We really didn't take them up on any of that. Toward the end of the week, we went out with a um, dive company and dove and snorkeled. And then, you know, as things were kind of winding down, we realized that we could actually do so many of those things anywhere in the United States. And we wanted to do something different. You know, we were doing things we'd do if we were in California or, you know, Florida. So we, we decided to extend our trip for a couple of days. And one of those days ended up being a day that made us really happy that we had added a couple of days. We had breakfast down by the pool and we decided to walk over and find a cab driver that spoke good English. And near our resort, there was a circle where the cab drivers would line up their vehicles and wait for tourists who wanted to be taken somewhere. Okay. So it was an easy walk. And we found somebody named Sebastian who spoke English very well. Neither of us spoke Spanish at all. The other nice thing about Sebastian was he had a taxi van, not just one of those little cars. So we had some room and we asked him if we could hire him for the day, if he would not pick anybody else up, just stay with us to show us some of the things that we wanted to see and to kind of get a handle on the local scene, you know, what was typical of the people he knew. Yeah, I'm really glad we did it. He, uh, he agreed to do this and he took us to some of the places that other tourists were going on day trips or whatever. We started out he just showed us an area called gringo gulch and that's where the wealthy people of the city of puerto vallarta lived and also a lot of americans had purchased homes there so there there were a lot of really nice homes um he showed us a couple places where movies had been filmed one was night of the iguana was filmed it had liz taylor and richard burton we swore we'd come back and watch that movie we still haven't (laughs) (laughs) i think i think it was a black and white but anyway you know they're gonna pull out all these little things that made them famous then we went up to an area called el eden and i might be pronouncing that wrong but it meant the jungle and we drove up a very steep and winding road and when we got to el eden he had to point out where another movie happened had been filmed and it was The Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So there was an old helicopter in the jungle which had been part of the show. And I think we did see that movie. <laughs> but that, that's another old one. But anyway, um, at this particular place, there was a river and there were waterfalls. Ken got on a rope and swung out over the water and landed in the water. There was a rock slide next to the waterfall. There was a little restaurant and a little bar and it was just so lush and, and really pretty. There were peacocks walking around everywhere and then from there he took us to his home village sebastian's village was mainly little huts we saw women washing clothes in the streams just i mean i felt like i was going back so far in time but actually like pounding clothes with rocks on bigger rocks you know and there were little kids in the water they were naked and swimming and jumping off rocks and there were loose cows The people seemed to kind of grow their own, some of their own food. You know, there were the cows and birds around, but there were also orchards with, you know, lemon trees and mangroves, papayas. There was corn growing in one area. But anyway, Sebastian um, took us to his house and he said that he felt, we didn't go in his house. Um, He said he felt very lucky that he and his wife had a big house and he called it a big house but it was really tiny by our standards. 
And um, we still remember how there was no door on the door opening. There were no panes of glass in the window openings. And that's just how the homes were, little huts. Uh, you have to wonder about critters getting in and yeah. how they stayed cool. But, you know, we, we could peek through some of, the, some of these huts as we drove through the village. And you'd see, like, hammocks hung up. Very minimal amount of furniture. You know, but everybody seemed happy, which is interesting. You didn't need a lot of things, I guess. But um, we talked Sebastian into... We were talking all through this time, and we learned that he was married. So we said, would your wife like to come along for the rest of the day? So he went into his house, and his wife packed a couple sandwiches for them, and she came along for the rest of the trip with us. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was really cool. And, and I, I was glad that she felt comfortable joining us. It was nice. Her English wasn't as good as Sebastian's, but, it, you know, it was just nice that he had her with him. Yeah. yeah from there, he took us north, and we went and saw, um, it was called Nuevo Boyarda. And, you know, there were some other undeveloped beaches at one point. We decided to get out, walk the beach, and we took a little swim before continuing. And I guess the highlight of our trip was lunch. Sebastian and his wife insisted on letting us off at a local restaurant, and they were going to have lunch by themselves. They didn't want to join us. She had brought a lunch along with her for them. So um, it ended up being the most bizarre restaurant uh, experience I've ever had. Uh, first of all, we had to follow. He kind of like drops us up by the road and we're like, we don't see anything. Uh, we don't see the restaurant. And he points to this path. So we kind of follow this overgrown path. And sure enough, there's there's a little building, a structure with some tables. And so there we are at the restaurant where the locals eat. Dirt floor, there was a dog sleeping under one of the tables. They shooed chickens off the tables. One of the tables was in a crate and we were kind of thinking maybe that was gonna be dinner. <laughs> I mean, it's just, there was a goat in the kitchen eating scraps of food <laughs> off the floor. Like they were putting stuff on the floor for this animal to eat. And throughout the meal, dishes were cracked. The cups were made of terracotta and they had cracks or chips in them. Definitely uh, the health department hadn't been around for a while. <laughs> but this was a restaurant that Sebastian recommended? Yes. We said we want to eat where the locals eat. We don't want to eat with Americans. You know, take us somewhere where we can have local food. Okay. Where yeah. would you go? And he thought this was a, a primo spot. <laughs> But anyway, so we're sitting there and a waiter comes up and what would you like? And um, we're like, we haven't seen a menu yet. And and what do you have? And he points to the wall, which was the display of the menu. There were skins, animal heads, animal body stuff, shells. So there was a bobcat, an iguana, snake, deer, uh, conch, wild boar. All these things on the wall and that was our menu so it's like a butcher <laughs> shop right it's like actually the animals are on the wall yes yeah. exactly and where wow. they get their food is right outside the door they have people hunting you know so very whatever local. they have <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and hopefully fresh well yeah, we, very fresh <laughs> since we don't really get uh an opportunity very often to have any of those foods. Um, we asked for a sampler plate, and um, that day they had the snake, they had bobcat, they had goat, and they had wild boar. So we had all four of those. We really wanted to try the iguana, but they were out that day. Oh, I was curious what iguana tasted like. <laughs> it tastes like chicken. 
So what was your favorite out of the four that you sampled? By far the snake. Okay. The snake was, you know, you had to chew through the little bones, but it was it was good compared, <laughs> you know, the boar, a thumbs down from both of us. And the other two were okay, you know, not something you have to try again. But when Very it, gamey. Yeah, definitely. Very strong. Um, and then they gave us a tequila punch in little um, chipped cups, and I just couldn't do it. Ken had no fear. He said the tequila will kill any germs on that thing. So, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. and the rest, <laughs> the rest of the meal was pretty um, typical. They served us tortillas and rice and beans and, you know, things that we recognize, fried plantains. And then as we were leaving, the catch of the day came in. A little lady who worked there had a huge, maybe four foot rattlesnake around her neck and its head was cut off. And it had, it was probably, what do you think, Ken, four inches in diameter. It was a pretty thick snake. Yeah. They wanted to know if we wanted to stay and have some of that too, but we were full. <laughs> So anyway, that was such a great experience. I, I, I really, uh, I don't think I'll ever forget that. And afterwards, Sebastian met us outside. He was waiting in the van by the roadside. And um, we went around a bay heading back. And, you know, there were rocky islands out there. Um, we just, we had a really good time. It was a very relaxing, fun way to see parts of the, the area that we wouldn't have seen otherwise. You know, you can get too caught up in the activities at a resort or whatever. And this was really fun. We, we really think this one stands out and we've, we've done dozens of trips to Mexico. So anyway. Yeah, I think that's really great that you guys took the time to go see the area because even though tour trips or cruises or all-inclusive resorts can be great travel options, I think a lot of times some of those don't really allow you to see the real culture of a place, especially in certain countries and certain cities. So it's nice to experience those things and maybe have the relaxation of a resort, but also go outside of the resort or the touristy area a little bit and see what life is really like for the people that, you know, you're in their home city. Exactly. And I think that, you know, it's really easy to get caught up in, you're in your resort area and if you don't have a vehicle, which we didn't on mm -hmm. many of our trips, you're going to walk. And, of course, everything that you can walk to is geared for the tourists. Mm -hmm. So, and you want to feel safe. So, I think going with somebody local, a taxi driver or whatever, you can feel safe and, and see so much more. So, I, I would do that again in a heartbeat. That's awesome. And have you used that, I guess, that experience to do that in other trips of yours where you've maybe been in an area and you want to explore further out than what you're staying in? Um. <laughs> I'm trying to think because we've really gotten so we rent cars and, and go off on our own. Gotcha. So your style of traveling has maybe changed a bit since then. Right. Where we don't feel like we're confined to or limited to our feet and a taxi yeah. driver. Last year we went to Idaho and, you know, we found a fishing guide and just him having somebody local take you to a place where nobody else fishes and you get to kind of pick their brain about what's going on in the area. It's kind of nice to have that instead of, you know, somebody local. Yeah. So you said that that trip you had traded in your timeshare 
Did you guys want to talk about the pros and cons of timeshare ownership? I'd like to talk, kind of clear the air on timeshare. You know, it's got a, to most people, I think it's got a negative connotation, but we've used it extensively and uh, it's it's worked for us. Uh, Diana, you don't think it works for a lot of people because you, you are kind of anchored at one resort for a week because most of these timeshares are in blocks of weeks. To that respect, you're right. It, it does hold you back if you're going on a vacation that requires you to get from one side of a region to another. You know, you really can't do that. Yeah, and sometimes it's nice to to land somewhere, spend a few days in one spot, then move on and not have to come back to the same place every night. We um, recently, within the last couple of months, our, our son asked us about timeshare because he was considering buying into it. He's seen us, he's traveled, you know, he's seen us use our timeshare. He's um, traveled with us on many of those trips and, you know, he likes what he sees. And, and the nice thing about a timeshare is you do get quality resorts for the most part. Having a kitchen is nice, having more space. Usually there are extra rooms so you can bring friends or family with you. Um, there are activities if you're, you know, you're looking for things to do. And it's usually a less crowded venue than just going to a big hotel. They're usually in good locations, too. On the negative side, I guess, I think things have changed today. For Ken and I, you know, we bought into this long ago. In fact, we recently upgraded our timeshare so we have better places to go to. Um, That's an age thing. (laughs) We're getting fussier. (laughs) But um, you have so many options today with Airbnb and the websites like HomeAway. And I think with a timeshare, you are limited to whatever locations are in their profile, you know. And you do feel obligated to spend a week in that location. You shouldn't, but you do, or or to go back to the same place every year. And you have to keep in mind that you're still going to have those maintenance fees and exchange fees. So maybe that money could be used differently. Yeah. Put it toward a different trip. You just have to weigh it. For us, it's worked. It's worked very well but it's not for everybody. It does seem like one of those programs where if you're utilizing it a lot, then you get your values worth. But if you purchase it and then don't have as much use for it, then it starts to lose the value that you've already put into it. It, Exactly. One of the things that people maybe don't realize when they buy a timeshare is that it's got a life. The one we bought was 99 years and you are responsible for those maintenance fees for that entire time so you know if you're getting up in the up in the years you're getting older and you don't want to travel anymore uh, you're still responsible for those maintenance fees or if you pass away and your heirs get get this timeshare you know you're kind of sticking that bill to them we were able to get out of ours we sold it to the people we bought the new one to and the new one's only 20 years so we know after 20 years it's done so <laughs> and then we yeah. figure that's that's about our life life of tra- <laughs> life of traveling <laughs> left <laughs> yeah i mean just travel travel years left <laughs> yeah but Timeshares have gotten a lot more sophisticated these days. Now you can trade for one day or seven days, or you can use your points towards hotels, you know, all different kinds of things. Back when we bought it was, here's here's your week at this place, and there's no, no changing it, so... I think it's really important that you don't let yourself get caught in the 
the moment of your vacation making a decision because you're having a good time. They put pressure on you. Like if you sign today, you know, we'll throw in a fishing trip or, you know, they put so much pressure on you and you really need to have some time. Believe me, they'll sell to you tomorrow or the next day. So taking the time to do a little research and look at the places and, you know, I think it's pretty important. Yeah, that's good advice. If you are a timeshare owner and you make an exchange, wherever you go, they want to have you over for a free breakfast and what they want to do is get you to increase the amount of timeshare you have or purchase at that location so and that gets old really fast so we learned you can just say no (laughs) (laughs) yeah just eat breakfast on your own (laughs) yeah exactly it's well worth you know otherwise they're going to keep you there for an hour or so anyway so go enjoy somewhere else nice Yeah, that's really good insight. And it's good to hear that it sounds like it's becoming a little bit more flexible too, probably because they're trying to compete with some of the newer options out there on the market. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there are other things besides resorts. Um, One of our trips, we traded and went on a catamaran in British Virgin Islands. It was a fabulous timeshare exchange. There's a place that trades and has um, campers. So you can pick up a camper and go putt-putt around the country. You know, it's just a lot of options have opened up. So it's kind of kind of worked well, I think, for us. A lot of choices. Yeah, that's neat. To wrap up, can you guys tell me what your favorite thing is about traveling? Ken? Diana. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, so it's each other. <laughs> well, we, we <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. I, I don't know. I think it's kind of, it always comes back to, it's, it's fun to plan a trip, you know, the before, and of course the trip is always fun, but it's also... Really nice later when you're back home to reflect on where you've been and your experiences. And I don't know, I think it's kind of amazing that we're all under the same sky and at any time some people somewhere are doing something I've done before, like maybe scuba diving or hiking or maybe they're doing things that I still want to do, but we're all doing different things. Wherever you go, you're going to find differences, but we all still have a lot of similarities that connect us. I have a particular favorite things. I just love it all. <laughs> and I, I enjoy travel just to see new new cultures, new uh, landscapes, different languages, different people, different foods that I haven't experienced before. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, who who wouldn't? But uh, really, I, that's what it comes down for me. Mm-hmm. Good points. Yeah, I agree with that too. Just kind of stretching your limits of what you know and what you've experienced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, lovely. Thank you guys so much for being on the podcast today and telling your awesome stories. Thank you, Heather. Thanks, it was Heather. fun. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. Hey, Globetrotters. Thanks for listening to Trinspo, the travel inspiration podcast. If you loved this episode, be sure to share it with a friend. To support the pod and rock some swag while heading out on your next adventure, check out our new merch page at trinspo.com slash merch. You can always get more of us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and trinspo.com. Thanks for coming along for the journey. 